I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with two filmmakers, Nova Ami and Velcro Ripper, and we talk about their new film, Metamorphosis, uh, produced by the National Film Board of Canada. This is a film that you're going to want to see uh, on a big screen if you can. It's it's opening very soon in Toronto, and we're going to be getting out the uh, podcast as soon as we possibly can. It's going across the country. You're going to be hearing, I hope, the interview in early June of 2018. Uh, and if you haven't, and you're way beyond June 2018 as you listen to this, it's still a relevant interview to be sure. We talk about the environment. The environment. I think I might have just was on the edge of coining a new word there. We talk about missed opportunities and climate change and symbiosis and relationships and creativity and, and, and grief and wonder. And this film is really, as some have called it already, uh, a poem uh, for the planet. It's it's a beautiful film. It's compelling. It's absolutely stunning cinematography. It's it's disturbing on a lot of levels, but on a on on a whole other level, it's ultimately very encouraging, uh, delightfully hopeful, and it's it's about it's about change. It's about something called psychic numbing. It's about meditation. It's about being present. It's about uh, uh, somebody uh, who's a psycho historian. It's about uh, choices and responsibility. It's about this notion that comes up, um, that somebody coins a phrase, futurelessness. I mean, how interesting is that? It's about submersive art. Where do you see what that's all about? You're going to need to to uh, to see the film to, to really understand that, but you'll certainly get out uh, you'll get you'll get a little bit out of uh, what submersive art is in in the conversation. Uh, Velcro believes that behind every cynic is a broken heart. I mean, if that's not a lesson for all of us to to uh, dig a little uh, deeper into, I don't know what is. It's about choices and and a sense of wise, uh, as they say in the conversation, wise and radical hope. So stay tuned uh, for a really interesting and beautiful film coming up. A uh, conversation about a beautiful film called Metamorphosis. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing, my speaking, 
and facetofacelive.ca for uh, a long list of other interviews uh, on a whole lot of issues. And I'm sure you're going to find some things there interesting to dig uh, into a little bit deeper. And if you want to support the work I'm doing at Face to Face, you can do that on a monthly basis. Um, uh, we do have a few supporters already, not too many, but a couple. Uh, you can do that through Patreon. Thanks for tuning in and coming right up, Nova Ami and Velcro Ripper talking about their new film, Metamorphosis. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by two very special guests here with us today, uh, Nova Ami and Velcro Ripper here to talk about their new film, Metamorphosis, National Film Board of Canada production. And we uh, are so glad you guys have the time to join us today. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having us. Yeah, great to be here. So, um, so many things to say, so many questions right out of the gate. I would love to hear a little bit about the history and I th- uh, of how this film sort of started for you guys. And I think it has something to do with very, very family based back to a, a, a weather event back in, I think back in 2013. So I'd, lo- I'd love to start there, but I have so many, so many different questions for you about, uh, about the, I don't know, just all the implications. And, and by the way, congratulations on a remarkable and a beautiful, stunning, compelling film oh thank you thanks so much yeah so so yeah where where do, where does a film like this come from i mean it's such a it's a such a a, a beautiful piece i i think it's been uh it's been referred to as a uh a, a poem is it a poem to the universe is that a fair is that a fair statement yeah we a described it a poem. poem for the planet yeah and uh yeah it's quite epic uh endeavor and uh you know it, it really um the conversations about metamorphosis really started happening about just over four years ago now. Um, in 2013, uh, sorry, yeah, 2013, there was um, Typhoon Haiyan in the Philippines, and over 6,000 people were killed in that typhoon. And um, I had spent a lot of time in the Philippines. It was a place very close to my heart because I'm Filipino, and and, you know, we started talking about how an event like that could change a person. Um, and, you know, that led to uh, deeper conversations about humanity and, and how we're changing in a time of climate crisis, how we deal with that change, how we resist it, and how we adapt. So that really got us got the ball rolling in terms of are thinking about the theme of metamorphosis, and uh, and that was about four years ago now. Mm, yeah. yeah. So is is I mean, obviously, this is a film about the environment, but it's mm-hmm. about so much more than that, and it and it comes out in a variety of different ways. It's it's metaphorical and it's philosophical. I I think somebody you know one of the uh, the 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 people that you talk to in the film talks about these you know these deep deep existential questions that this, this, uh, you know, all-inclusive event, as somebody else says in the, in the film, refers to. So could you talk a little bit about that, those layers? Sure. Those two people you're referring to are Nikki Silvestri, the CEO of Soil and Shadow, and, uh, and Robert J. Lifton, who is a psychohistorian or a psychiatrist who looks at history through the lens of psychology and psychiatry. And, uh, and they, are, they kind of are like the big thinkers that sort of are woven through the film and I think really were important for us as, uh, as uh, the key um, um, voices of the film in that they explore the themes of change. Lipton talks about the myth of Proteus and, mm. and Proteus is the, the sea god who uh, was resistant to change but finally was coerced into it and then 
uh, I took on many different shapes. And just like humanity is both changing the planet and then being forced to change by the changes that are kind of coming work upon us. And then with Nikki Silvestri, uh, she talks about grief and grieving mm -hmm. the loss of things and, and really acknowledging our grief and, and allowing ourselves to fully feel it in order to move through it and feel the awe and beauty and the love uh, for what we've lost. And so that those themes are, are um, sort of running through the film in terms of um, how we deal with change and, and how we deal with what we've lost and how to get through the crisis phase and move into uh, a phase where we can envision uh, something beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I, lo I love it. And I don't know who it was, but I, um, it might have been Lipton who said that this is like a rescue process for the self. That is Lipton, yeah. Yeah, the, he, the, the protean self. Uh, Lipton wrote a book called The Protean Self. And, and uh, you know, he believes that uh, humans are uh, innately changeable, innately inapt adaptable, and that we are actually uh, made to be changeable. We're uh, evolutionary beings mm. and we're constantly changing. And I think it's when we really try to resist change. Um, that we run into trouble. We run into fundamentalism, which is, a, is about a fixity on a, on a mythical past that never really was, actually, and, uh, and, uh, and a kind of idea of uh, uh, unchangeable perfection, whereas the reality is this is an impermanent world we're in, and nature is impermanent, life is impermanent, and how do we accept that and, uh, and then... Um, work with that change to envision a metamorphosis that is um, positive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we were um, conceiving the, of the film, we came up with uh, a string of phases that we would go through to create the arc uh, for the film. And so we started with uh, chrysalis, the chrysalis phase. Right. Which is beginnings, and that's the sanctuary you go into where the transformation happens yeah and then we move into the crisis phase which is the wake-up call and then we go into catharsis which is the yeah, kind of processing of the crisis and the releasing of that uh, crisis as well moving yeah. forward and then we move forward into symbiosis uh, which is mutually enhancing relationships between ourselves and the planet and and also between humanity itself yeah do you, do you think, do you think, you know, you talked about that grief and that's clearly a thread throughout the whole film. Do you think that we as a planet, as communities, as families, as individuals have to suffer or at least face that grief before we can get to that positive space? And I guess that's in a sense what you're saying by these different moments in the film, but you, you take a very hopeful stance and, and which is wonderful and marvelous. And, and I love that, but is there a sense in which maybe many of us are not willing to face that? Does that make sense? Definitely. I think we, we have a tendency to want to spiritually bypass <laughs> difficulties in our lives. Right. And when we do that, they don't go away. Uh, you know, Lipton talks about psychic numbing, which yes. is a tendency just to shut down and pretend it's not happening. That's what climate denial is a, a form of. It's a form of psychic numbing per potentially because we just can't face it. We can't deal with the overwhelm. So we really need to fully feel in order to be able to move through. Mm -hmm. the, the, and again, it might have been him as well, the, this idea of, cha of change reminding us uh, of our immortality. I think there's something really interesting there as well about this, you know, and again, this idea of coping with change is this 
again, I, I mean, my background academically is in philosophy. So for me, existential questions, uh, you know, what is the self? Who are we? When are we? Um, how are we? <laughs> how are we best ourselves? When are we best ourselves? It seems to me we're best ourselves when we're with others. And I love the way um, human beings, the way you've situated others in the film. Really conscious choice, it seems to me. Were, were you, what exactly were you trying to, to tell us by very, very much focusing on the face and the voice? We don't know their names till the end of the film. It's really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we set about from the very beginning to record our uh, interviews with audio only. And then we um, have images of our subjects in the film, but we don't actually see them talking to us. Um, and our intention with that is we really wanted the film to be like a poem, like a meditation, and for us to really focus also on the imagery. Um, so that was that was a, an intentional choice. And um, it also, uh, I think it helped with our subjects in terms of feeling more at ease with mm -hmm their stories and um you know it, it really uh freed them up to express themselves in a way that having a camera face uh you know right in front of them doesn't yeah um so yeah it was it was really to offer something kind of like a meditation in in that sense of, of having us hear the voices of the characters or the subjects and then but not see them talking to us it was actually a fairly radical decision as a documentary filmmakers to decide not to film talking heads. There was no going back because we only had audio interviews, you know, right. and, and oftentimes people kind of consider the talking heads kind of the A role and then they call everything else B role, you know, and, uh, and I never did. I never have liked that term that this is just everything else is B role. I find it insulting to the cinematic aspects of documentaries, but it's kind of like you string together the talking heads and then you try to find a way to cover it up. Mm -hmm. In our case, that wasn't an option. We had portrait shots of people and, and, and the rest had to be cinematically expressed. Yeah, you know, we really wanted to create something that was a cinematic experience for people to come into the movie theater and see something that they wouldn't be able to experience on a small screen in the same way. And, uh, you know, there is a broadcast version that we have that uh, has uh, identifiers for each of the subjects on the bottom because that's more conducive to that format. But uh, for the feature-length version, we really set out to create something that was a cinematic experience. Yeah, we really hope people um, seize the opportunity to see it when it's on the big screen, because that doesn't happen for long, really. You, know, you blink and you miss the theatrical release. Right, right. Well, it, seem, it seems to me this is the type of film that people are going to be watching for, for years to come. I mean, it's the kind of film that you go back to. It's this, it is, and it, it really, it does play. I mean, I, I think you guys have succeeded absolutely beautifully as from a poetic perspective. It's just, it's, it's, and, and sound, Velcro, can you talk to me a little bit about the poetry of sound in your film? Sure. Well, sound design is always uh, close, close to my heart. And, and as a craftsperson, I work on other films as a, as a sound designer, I did the corporation and a place called Chiapas and a number of other films. I love I love the power of sound, and uh, um, we have a great collaborator we work with, Daniel Pellerin, who's a sound mixer, and Nova's worked with him and, and her previous project, and I have throughout my career. And so we have a great, and we had a, a really great composer as well, mm -hmm. James Mark Stewart. And his his music is very much um, a sound design. He uses a lot of backward sounds, and hmm. we kind of take that and weave it together 
and um, and really try to take it to another level. And again, in 5.1, that that sound is surrounding you and moving around, and it's quite quite powerful. Um, I, I love the, uh, the the butterfly wings, for example, are a combination of uh, male breath and female breath, and uh, uh, a, vol a volcano rumble and actual wing flaps and um, a few rocket taking ch uh, sound effects taking off all layered up to create these um, sort of beautiful wing flaps of the of the high speed slow motion um, monarch butterfly shots that we have. Yeah, and you know, um, the use of the breath sounds really ties into our intention with uh, offering a med meditation because that's something that, you know, we, we focus on in meditation is our breath. So to incorporate those sounds in that way, I thought was was really quite beautiful. The shots, the shots of the butterflies, you know, I just, I would, for while you guys were just chatting, are just are absolutely remarkable, remarkable, and and I, I mean, I'd love to hear a little bit about. It. I think my listeners too uh, would as well. I mean, it's for me, it's you know, living in southern Ontario, uh, it's actually pretty rare to see a monarch. Right. I mean, it just you don't see a lot of them. And yet you've you've got these stunning images of both. Of, well, kind of the whole life cycle of the monarch and the monarch is the metaphor it's, to some degree. Um, I mean, can, can you can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, as far as that was that was that a really intentional decision going in or did that kind of uh, bubble to the surface as you guys continued to shoot? Well, um, we came up with the theme, uh, the title of Metamorphosis actually came right off the bat. And so naturally, we explored the idea of the threat of the monarch butterfly um, because of the species is under threat. And so um, it, it really evolved into our the species that we focused on and tying the theme uh, of the different phases that I discussed about uh, in terms of our arc of the film and uh, um, chrysalis. Uh, and you know the whole uh, transformation aspect of it. Um, we yes, we definitely um, intended to have that metaphor tie in to what we're going through uh, as a species with what the butterfly goes through in its lifespan. Um, and you know, um, Michael Reynolds, who's the architect for the Earth ships, which is one mm. of the stories that we follow in the film, he says that, you know, right now, uh, we're like caterpillars, we're eating everything That's in right. sight. Um, and, but we have the potential to become beautiful winged creatures, you know, so the metaphor is, is really quite strong uh, throughout the film. And, and you know, we really, um, yeah, we really uh, had an, ama an amazing opportunity to spend time with the butterflies as well, because uh, we went to the monarch sanctuary in Mexico. And I have to say, David, that was one of the most incredible experiences I, I bet. I've ever had in my life. Um, you know, it was it was really quite spectacular. And, you know, I've seen monarch butterflies here and there, as you said, um, but to be uh, surrounded by millions of butterflies um, and when, where they, they, you know, they stay, they rest, they sleep, they wake up in the morning. And it was really quite a miracle to witness and, and uh, that I would really experience the awe and appreciation uh, for uh, for the monarch butterfly. Well, it's 
It, it, it's interesting, you know, your comment earlier about a, this sense of wonder and our loss of wonder and how it's tied to gr the grieving process and so on. And I, you know, for, for me, uh, you know, as a philosopher, all philosophy, pretty much everyone, uh, you know, you go back through the history of philosophy, will, and my listeners will know this, I've said it before, but, you know, all philosophy begins in wonder. It's about the question, right? It's about the, the desire for something else, I guess, and something other. And, and I'm, I can imagine what it must, I mean, truly wonderful to be, to be immersed in something like that and isn't that really you know I, somebody else in the film talks about this be, you know the 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 the, uh, the the difficulty in being present and i don't know about you guys but for me you know as a dad and a husband and a friend and 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 busy all the time it's hard to be present you know and they talk uh, that's the person in the film talked about this deep deep, deep longing for presence and and I yeah. wonder to what degree that's connected to those moments, you know, that you were just talking about, you know, with the monarchs and 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 so on. Yeah, that's Nikki Silvestri again, who who says that you know, for her, um, being present is so key because when we're present, we actually can't harm in the way that we're harming right now. It's it's almost that psychic numbing or that denial that allows us to do the kind of harm. But when we really are present. Then we become present to the wonder of life, the wonder of the planet, the wonder of relationship. Um, and that's definitely a key thread running through the film. And in our experience, you know, um, I remember, Nova, you were talking about um, what having a, we actually had a, a conceive of our son about the same time we conceived of the film. And we brought our baby with us in the making of this whole movie. Nice. All of Mm -hmm. And uh, and one of the things that Nova said is that having that him with us really caused us to have to be totally present, you know, mm -hmm. in the moment. It really. <laughs> yeah, you can't be, you know, thinking about something else. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it really it really forces you to be right here, right now. And um, so, yeah, you know, one of the things, you know, when we were making a film too, having our baby with us, it consistently raise these questions for us as to, you know, what was our role here as parents and as filmmakers, you know, uh, how do we protect our son from what's happening? And, but how do we prepare him mm. as well? And, you know, what, what future are we, are we raising him? Well, it's, it, it almost strikes me as a, as a, as a love letter to your, to your kids or to all children, frankly, you know, it's the, to all of us, I suppose. But, oh, and I love, I so love the scene with the, the kids. I guess they're, they're not in kindergarten, but they're all, they're planting the milkweed and, and a favorite line in the film, I think I'm six and a half, but I'm six. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just so, it's so wonderful. Isn't, isn't that what it's really all about on some level? But yeah, this sense of Right, legacy, and 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 um, what's next? The few, this is about you know adaptation, but it's also about making some choices today that are going to impact the future. Yeah, we're in a, we're in a critical a critical phase in human history right now, and the decisions we make now are going to affect future generations for hundreds and literally hundreds of years to come. So there's a huge responsibility, um, mm. and how, we, how you know I think the film really brings in those big questions around futurelessness and how do we cope yeah. with it? the sense it's beyond uh, death, beyond, as, as Lipton says, it's beyond human death is this idea that there may not be future generations if we don't figure this out. So what a huge responsibility. I, um, I loved the sequence and what a remarkable um, 
artist, the, the, the guy making the underwater statues, these, these, what did he call them? Living and breathing coral reefs. Mm. How do you, how do you find somebody like that? I mean, first of all, and then what a project to, to undertake. Can you tell us a little bit about his history? I mean, what, and, and again, it's just such a beautiful metaphor, just such a, but it seems like on a certain level, there'd be very few people, uh, you know, if you hadn't filmed some of that, 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 that would be, <laughs> would be seeing that. <laughs> Got to throw your scuba yeah. gear on to go down and check out the art exhibit, you know? True, that's true. Um, that's the work of Jason DeCare Taylor. And uh, he's done some incredible work where he casts uh, statues of people in his community and then submerses them underwater where they transform into coral reefs and become ecosystems for I just I just love well how do you even come up with that idea you know I mean it's just it's beautiful yeah yeah it's it's really quite incredible and spectacular and uh you know we had the opportunity to uh, go into his studio and see him casting as well and uh, it's quite a process um that he undertakes to go through that but you see the kid in the film getting cast initially we were going to do it and then we watched this little kid and he's like (laughs) covered in this uh, plaster and then you know ha- having a mold made of him and it's like yeah I don't think we're gonna do that <laughs> yeah it was great I'm so glad you kept that line in so what was this something about yeah that's I'm not doing that again yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah it's, it's stunning work and they and they go through this metamorphosis you know I mean every every scene in the film is, is exploring some form of metamorphosis mm-hmm. and this one it's these human sculptures that are put under the under the water to explore themes like sea level rise and that then in turn metamorphosize into living, breathing coral reefs. What do, what do you say, and I want to get to some of the, I mean, it's such a, a beautiful and hopeful film as well, and, and, and yet seems to, well, it doesn't seem to start out, it starts out pretty bleak, pretty grim, and yet you still, there's still a sense of hope, I think, and I think it has to do with the, the, the your establishing shots and the, and the stunning photography and the visuals and so on. But, but, but how... How and before we get into kind of the solutions, and, and I want to talk about this repurposing our environment, and 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 uh, um, you know, three hundred thousand is it three hundred thousand pools in Los Angeles? Is that how many? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and um, anyway, how do you not go, you know, when thinking about this, and when when not being overwhelmed by the problem? You know, you talk about it in the film. Somebody talks about it as being this all-inclusive event. You know. We're, we're all in this together, but yet so many of us continue to ignore it by the choices we're making and, and by the cars that we're driving and the pools that we're filling up and so on. How, how do you stay away from that, I don't know, that deeply cynical space and wind up in a more thoughtful, hopeful, um, and responsible space, I suppose? Yeah, I, I once heard someone say that behind every cynic is a broken heart. Mm. And, I, and Great. I, think it, I think it's very true. And I think our hearts are getting broken in many ways by this kind of ruthless society uh, that is so, um, you know, consumer bent and, and shallow in so many ways. And uh, and that's the but the magnitude of the crisis, I guess, the, is the hope in, in itself. And that it's like it's getting harder and harder to ignore when people's entire like to, yesterday, uh, that whole town got washed away by flash floods in the States. And, you know, we're seeing that, you know, well, forest fire season is getting out of control and the droughts are coming. You know, it's not something happening far away anymore. Right. As we're starting to make the film, it's, it's clear it's, it's not in the future. It's happening. Climate change is happening right here, right now. And as it becomes more undeniable, one hope 
that I have is that it will be a wake-up call, and we will wake up because humanity has tremendous creativity mm. and tremendous ingenuity, and we we have created this mess, but we if we apply ourselves to it, we can get ourselves out of this mess. And I think we are seeing, as we started making the film, we started seeing so many people working towards solutions, working for ways out. And when you really start tuning into it, you see uh, hopeful stories almost every day. California just last week passed a bill that all new houses will have to have solar panels on the roofs uh, by 2020. That's just a couple of years from now. I mean, we're seeing some rapid change happening um, on the positive side, and that's really what has to happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had someone come up to me after one of our screenings and say, you know, a lot of the films that I've seen about climate change get stuck in the crisis phase. Right. It doesn't move beyond that. And uh, that was really something that was important to us was, of course, we have to um, draw attention to what's going on. But we have to look at what we can do and, you know, what what are some ideas what are some inspirations that we can look to to move through this? Because, you know, we have a choice here. We can give up or we can choose to have some hope and, and do something, right? So we don't really know what's going to happen in the future. But if we don't do anything, then, you know, we won't have known. Like we talk about this, uh, you know, as though, you know, we have uh, people that we've had in our family who um, been diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, when you get a diagnosis like that, you can choose to give up or you can choose to try everything you can. And because you really don't know what's going to happen. There are people who survive and there are people who don't. But, um, you know, it's a choice that you make in terms of how you're going to deal with it. And, um, and it's a wise hope that we're talking about. Mm. Um, you know, we're not talking about uh, again, the spiritual bypass or the um, um, happy, happy, painted, happy faces on everything and pretend it's all good. Um, in fact, no, it's not all good. It's right. really not all good. But we can choose a, a wise hope, a kind of a radical hope. Um, and, uh, and, and in terms of the, the I just can't do it all myself, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh is one of my um, teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, miracle, says, of, miracle of mindfulness. Uh-huh. And he says we don't have to do it all because of the law of interbeing and interconnectedness. Just choose what you can do and do it well and do it truly. Um, and you're part of everything and, and, and everything else that's being done. We don't we not no one person has to do it all, but we can all do something. Yeah. And, you know, um, the solution suggestions or ideas that we highlight in the film they're not meant to be the answer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're launching points. They're catalysts for other types of change and adaptation. They're design principles that can be applied to projects, different ideas. And they're more like suggestions. Like this is, this is something that this person is doing. And these are the elements, like for example, the earth ships, right? Which are buildings that don't require fossil fuels. Um, they're, they have solar energy. There's, uh, they reuse the water several times. Um, they, you know, they grow food. Uh, so they don't require heating or cooling because yeah. of their design. Yeah. So, you know, ideas like that, that can be applied, uh, to other, other projects, uh, are, are things that we wanted to, you know, put out there. So I'm so glad that you included, uh, the phrase vagabond skateboarders in the film. I, I, uh, 
I, I might have been one of those at one time many years ago and have a, a couple of broken bones to 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 to, to pre- I still when I play pool to this day my left elbow hurts from a from a fracture skateboarding when I was about 18 talk to me a little bit about this uh, and and sadly we're going to have to wrap it up soon but but tell me a little bit more about this repurposing of our environment this this um you know the the that you talk about the changing of how the global economy is going to have to change and you've kind of already uh, Nova talked a little bit about that but I love these garden pools I mean it's just what a great metaphor for so many things and clearly an incredibly practical approach yeah that that's um uh the excerpts are read out from a book called Aridtopia, and it, um, the author is uh, Tyler Stallings. Tyler Stallings in the film, um, and he starts by talking about what are the things you could do with a swimming pool other than fill it with water that just you know is a huge waste, something like seven thousand gallons a year evaporates. Evaporates? Yeah, that was an astounding statistic to me. I've I've not heard that before. Remarkable. And so, so his first example is kind of playful. It says, you know, in the you know in the event of a drought, which happened in California, all these pools were drained, and then vagabond skateboarders invented school, pool skateboarding. So we actually got a bunch of these skateboarders together. The skateboarders went swooping past us, and uh, um, and then he goes on to another example called garden pool, and uh, and that's where uh, these pools, these abandoned swimming pools or, or pools that people choose to drain um, are transformed into self-sustaining ecosystems. A kind of dome is put over top of them. Uh, the deep end of the pool is made into a fish pond that grows fish and then uh, and, and a water catchment system that captures water and then a dense uh, ecosystem of edible plants that uh, create enough food uh, through this whole system, including chickens woven in there, um, that uh, can feed both the, uh, the family that lives there and their, their entire neighborhood. They're remarkable, uh, remarkable uh, invention. And, and, a, and, and a, uh, an example of repurposing what's already there and instead of always building something new. So... You kind of end the film with the with the faces, with the people, which I think is beautiful and wonderful. But I think just before we get to that, we talk about the systemic nature of all of this. And, and again, I think this is really connected to being hopeful. And this is what I so love about your film and, and your take on change. And and, and again, it's, it doesn't Lipton say that we're, we're uh, uh, our, our human capacity for change. What does he say? It's underestimated. Um, um, the question you ask at the end of the film or somebody does is, is the human experiment going to make it or how, how do you guys stay so hopeful? I mean, you know, I mean, you clearly probably met quite a few people along the way that, that, you know, the naysayers, you know, it's in the, it's in the press almost every day. I, I have friends who are climate change deniers, you know, um, how, how do you get out of bed still smiling every morning? We have a child. That's one way, you know. Like, <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. He know, inspires us every day. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's, it's also the path we choose, mm. you know, we, we find ways to, um, I guess really be present and, um, focus on what we want as opposed to what we don't want and, uh, what we're for as opposed to what we're against and nice. really um, steer our energy in, in positive ways that are moving forward. Um, and uh, that's, you know, something that I think is, is really important to us in terms of, of going with that positive uh, 
movement uh, and, and, and pushing our energy that way. I think that, you know, being artists and creating art that's part of the change, and being part of the change, being the change, mm. is hopeful, keeps us energized, knowing that we're doing something. We're, you know, you know we're choosing our, our, something we're passionate about, so we love to do, we love making films, we love doing this work, and we're also putting it into service. And I think when you can combine those two things, something you're passionate about and service together, you're going to find a source of meaning and you're going to find a source of hope, and that's going to get you out of, out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. We have a mission. <laughs> yeah, having a mission. Having a mission, yeah. Listen, thank you to you both. We've been talking with Nova Ami and uh, Velcro Ripper about their new film, Metamorphosis. What a, what a beautiful and brilliant and, and, and uh, just timely piece. Thank you uh, so much for your time today, guys. Wonderful talk to you today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 